Hi, my name is Stevie Ray Causey. And I'm Gretchen S.B. And you're listening to Exceptionally Average Authors Explain It All. We're two exceptionally average authors. Talk about stuff. But I do think that you you are correct in that people who tend to be in the creative sphere, it seems, do tend to be that vulnerable population when it comes to, to mental health. Right. Hooray! I know that there's at least one person listening to this that'll go, no, I'm not. Yeah, because vulnerability is just a basic human wiring. Yeah. The thing about creatives that makes them, the part that makes them more prone to suffering from their mental health is that, first of all, society doesn't value us. I don't know if you've seen that meme that's like the Oregon Trail that says the artist has died of exposure. <laughs> I have not, but that's pretty funny. <laughs> right? So so there's an inherent systemic societal devaluation of yeah. something that we consider to be like a core value of our identity because so much of your creativity is your brain trying to explain yourself to yourself well, I and think- your brain trying to explain yourself to other people and trying and, and trying to do it in a world that's separated so that it's not as threatening. Yeah. Well, I think we're not the only ones to deal with that. I mean, I would think that people in the military definitely get paid less than they should. Teachers get paid way less than they should. So, I mean, well, again, no and again, that's a lot of the helper fields. So then yeah. I guess that, that loops us into at what point, and I think that point is now because everyone is in quarantine, do we consider creativities also helpers? No, that's a good point. Because I think I've mentioned this yeah. before on the podcast. Uh, I did a, I had to do a thesis on this in college. When economies, especially when economies are bad, escapism is like the only, not markets, markets, not the right word. Escapism, like things are the only things that do well. So like uh, circuses, movies, books tend to do better. And the cheaper they are, the better they do, which is why circuses were so good because you'd be there the entire day and you, you know, you'd just pay right. the entrance fee because people need to escape from those problems. It's it's very much like, you know, when, when the economy is bad, you see more uh, thrillers and happy ever after type things uh, and less dystopian. When the economy is good and people are doing well, you'll see more sci-fi and dystopian because people are more really willing to reach outside that box and say, okay, and then, versus when they're just trying to get through the day-to-day sludge. Which really goes back to psychology too, because that is a felt sense of felt safety. Yeah. And you can't approach questions like what if and if then and, you know, that at, at that stage, if you're not feeling safe. And so escapism totally does. And that ties into another interesting conversation I had on Instagram, actually. Someone had made a comment on the book that I was reading. I was reading The Brave and I'm still, oh, man, I'm having trouble finishing a whole book, but that's a whole other story. So it's it's just really beautifully done. It's about a boy with OCD. It's very, uh, it's middle grade. So it's really introspective. And someone had commented asking what I liked about it. So I picked apart some of the like main themes because I love this. I want the psychology puzzle. Give me things that tell me I'm not alone. It's very Roald Dahl, Matilda, the feral child who was raised by books. That's what I identify with. So when I'm afraid, I go for that. 
Um, but I want it slightly removed. So there's an element of escapism, but I still want to be like learning what it is to be human. And I've noticed that you see a lot of, and this makes sense psychologically too, adults, adult genre fiction it tends sure. to be a lot of escapism because they're living in the real world and the real world sucks. <laughs> and middle grade tends to be more introspective because they're trying to learn about themselves in the real world. And I'm not sure I ever grew out of that phase. So I just live over here in my middle grade, letting it rip my heart out. <sighs> and I love it. <laughs> but yeah, escapism is, is what's, is what's up right now for real. I was, I was just uh, saying to my husband the other day as we were, you know, we're binging on Netflix. I wonder what's going to happen if this lasts so long that we can't have any new shows or new seasons. What are we going to do? Read more. Da, 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 da. Right? One hopes. Our yeah. day is coming. Yeah, it's, it's rough. I, it's, this is slightly tangent, but um, a friend of mine that I, one of one of my favorite people on the planet. She, uh, I've known her since we were like nineteen, and she just says, you know, it it floors me every time I think about the fact that you've published your books. I'm so proud of you because I know what a big deal that is, and it's just so incredible that you've done this. And you know, because there's this level of, for lack of a better word, mysticism. You know, before you cross the veil and publish a book. Because there's still this mm-hmm. like, oh man, it's this big deal to publish a book. And then you find out that on a, a level, that first book, even the second book is a big deal. And then after that, you're like, okay, I just need to publish books. And your mindset changes. And so when, when she mentions this to me, I'm always like, I have to remember like that there is that sense of wonder about publishing a book. And I remember saying to her one of the last times she was talking about it because I was uh, my author career last year. I was publishing a lot and I wasn't making any money. I had a terrible year dollars wise. And, you know, I was telling her maybe I should, you know, throw in the towel. Maybe this just isn't for me. And and, you know, she was saying how incredible it was. And I said, no, like this is how I see it. I write a book and I dictate, which means that I write faster And so I'm writing maybe 3,000 words an hour. My books tend to be between 80 and 95, you know, 85 to 95,000 words. And so that's however many hours that go, you know, that goes into that. Then I have to do a read through of the book before it goes to my editor to make sure that the dictation is, is right. And that takes about as long, if not longer sometimes as that initial, you know, write through. And so you're looking at like 60 hours somewhere in there, you know, 60 hours per book. Then it goes to my editor, whom I pay about $200 for. Then it goes to a proofer that's about another $100. Then I pay for a cover that's between $80 and $100. And that's if I don't do pay for any marketing at all and then publish it. And so I have already put in at least 60 hours into this book plus at least three if not four hundred dollars and then i have to put that up for maybe 3.99 and like that is a killer for your mental health that you put all of this time in and if you i have not done it because i know it will depress me but if you do the math you know you're making you know less than a dollar an hour if somebody purchases that book 
And it's, you know, yeah, people can purchase it many times over the years, but there's, you know, all the marketing numbers associated with it. But I know that that is a big mental grind down is that you put in all of this, you know, time, sweat and tears, not to mention all the time world building for like 275. And I know that that's, that's a huge killer on mental health as well is that sometimes it just feels like you're wasting your time. And I think that that also makes writers, you know, vulnerable because you put in all that time and effort and you publish it and you're just like, okay, hopefully people buy it. And then there's the whole review process, which can just eat away at you, which is why so many people never go like visit Like if you can even get them to review, it's like pulling yeah. teeth and then once you've pulled all the teeth, they eat you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's how? Because rough. now they have no teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but they manage it. Their jaws yeah. unhinge. I don't know. Some of them are brutal. Yeah, and this is a thing, too. Like, a lot of creatives, we already suffer from imposter syndrome. I could spend a really long time talking about how capitalism feeds into that, but I don't think I have to because any of us who are working in this field already know. Uh, (laughs) And you just said it, essentially. But that I'm wasting my time for this $2, is that all I'm worth? A lot of that, it quickly becomes the inner critic and it affects your ability to even keep making your art Mm -hmm. which is super unfortunate to be so stuck that you can't get unstuck i can't count how many times between myself and others i've heard the i just don't know if i can keep doing it i don't know if it's worth it and it's so sad because if you start a writer talking about a story they're writing or their favorite of their series or something, they light up like a light bulb and they get so excited. I think there is value in recognizing that that is the pride of their inner child. Yeah. So it it is very much like, here's your opportunity to validate that. And more often what happens is they're not saying, is it worth it? It doesn't even seem worth it. It's not worth it for $2 an hour. What they're saying is I'm not worth it. Yeah. My craft is not worth it. My passion is not worth it. And that is even more tragic. For sure. And it comes from a, a place of like elitism. And and so much about we as a society took a place of thinking that creativity and philosophy and the humanities are like the peak of what it means to be human. And really, creativity is human. Storytelling is human. And and your work is worth it. Your creativity is worth it. And it shouldn't be about the money. But that doesn't mean it's okay to try to kill artists through exposure. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I think it becomes a struggle. But the more that I think about, was my goal the money? I need the money. Like, don't get me wrong. Times are hard for everyone, and it's a struggle, and I really wish that I could do all the things I want to do and have the thing that I love, you know, make my family thrive and make my husband not have to work two jobs and make my kid, you know, all of the things. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, that's my creative dreaming side, and that's lovely. Now, how can we harness that to make me able to do the things I do and and take care of myself and let myself love my craft? Because it's not just about doing it. If you just show up to the table and write the words, that is not cathartic. Yeah. That that will kill your mental health. Don't do it. (laughs) 
love yourself enough to love what you're doing. And then I find that when I give myself that time, I am better able to stand up to the people that want to sell me short. Thanks yeah. for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> and in case, in case you hadn't noticed, we have a slightly different format episode today. Stevie and I decided we wanted to, to break into our formula and uh, talk about mental health and authors and artistics today because especially considering i know we said we weren't going to talk about covid but uh, especially considering a lot of us are are quarantined and in general authors when they work full-time as an author do stay home a good chunk of their time that that mental health becomes more important because you are your only you know companion throughout the day basically and so that is why uh stevie and i changed our format today we just i want to give you a heads up so you're not just like what is happening i thought we were talking about world building we're about to have to rebuild the real world guys we just thought we'd take a moment and take a breather (laughs) it's been funny being home for me because i was fine for the first couple months like it was no big deal and then we hit july and i was like okay (laughs) and i found that i think that if i wrote full time i think it would drive me crazy if i couldn't like leave the house and so it might end up being one of those things where if my books make enough money for me to live on i might need to go get one of those you know ten dollar an hour jobs at the library where they restack books which Mm -hmm. like honestly i would love that position soothing that's one of the jobs that it would be my dream job i won't lie Right? It would be delightful. So then you could play mm-hmm. with books all day. You I'm imagining it right now. <laughs> working working in a library is like my adult dream. I wish that I had gone gotten a library sciences degree, but I can't go back in time. And Do you know it. how sick they would be of me walking from the back with an armful of books singing the opening song? <laughs> they would be like, it has been six months. Can you please stop? <laughs> Every day they know when I'm clocked in. <laughs> I'm convinced you need this job that. now. Uh, oh my gosh. That was pleasant. I enjoyed it. Okay, focus. Anyway, yes, dream job. Like, good call. Wouldn't it be great? It would be delightful. Ugh. That's the the character that I'm working on. That's, I mean, essentially, she's locked in the library right now trying to find her in my retelling of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> so, yes, it is. And I'm describing it in my day job. It's lovely. Just like, I want to be surrounded by the books. Yeah, surrounded by the books, but there's something wrong. <laughs> Actually, she's going to be reshelving them. <laughs> big, surprise. big surprise Gretchen I kind of want to read this and then when it gets to reshelving books I'm just going to start cackling to myself <laughs> for real. that's for real what's going to happen I can't wait to be done with it now so I can show it to you <laughs> I think you will find it delightful and since you sat through my whole TED talk today when when it gets to that part you're going to be like Oh, yes, I see. <laughs> I understand the symbolism. Yeah. Young yeah, middle grade is like if genre fic and lit fic had a baby. That's why I like it. I don't know how you do it. I am impressed with the fact that you put taking care of your mental health and mental health issues and stuff like that in your works. Like, that would be so exhausting. I 
I am in awe that you do it because I know that if I tried to do that, I would like go down a depression rabbit hole and I would never finish. <laughs> it is it is part of why my writing is slower is because it is a lot of processing and it's like because my dad remember was an English teacher and this was one of my favorite lectures that he gave was how all of our human storytelling is just the brain trying to give us the user manual and we're botching the interpretation so badly (laughs) and i see really cool parallels the vagal theory and the vagus nerve which is the largest nerve in the body and all the different points that it connects to it communicates 80 percent upward 20 percent down so it's mostly telling your brain things about your sense of safety and each of those connectivity points correlate with one of the chakras. Because it all the way is one of my favorite things to talk about. I love to talk about the ways that mythology holds a mirror to science. Part of why I love writing fairy tale retellings and part of how I wrap the two of them into each other is because I can see the patterns. I'm it's a game you. for me. This is how I play. This is how I play. <laughs> but sometimes it does hurt. And sometimes, because I mean, it is, it's a journey. I find that if I am actively in therapy and taking care of my mental health, my writing improves. That might have to do with something about taking care of your brain so that it functions to do the thing that you need your brain to do. Yeah, I I do find it more difficult if I am in a depression spiral or something like that to write. Or if I am tired of something or exhausted. Like, it took me a year mm-hmm. and a half to finish the second Berman's Wolves book, and I made myself just power through it. And I think that that, like, the book turned out good, don't get me wrong, but I think that it would have been better for me fatigue and mental health-wise if I had taken a break from the book and just said, you know, we're going to write something else while you just try and work your way through whatever's happening here. And I think that's really valid because that's kind of what I'm doing with my this anthology. I jumped on it when I was offered the opportunity to to do it for many reasons because I admire everyone that's in it. But also because I, I really needed a break and I needed to jump from the storyline that I've been struggling with for the past year and, and talk about what's going on now in a much shorter, controlled, brand new, shiny story. And I think there's a lot of value to it. I think it has been... Like, that was the best choice I could have made, even though it it made me have to change my whole publishing schedule. Mm -hmm. But to be fair, after I I just redid this this week, the publishing schedule that you and I made together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've still been trying to operate based on that. Aww. Even though we're in a pandemic. (laughs) So if we want to talk about realistic expectations and mental health, like, I didn't realize I was still pushing myself to operate on it. And I was feeling so badly about taking a break and so badly about the way that I messed everything up. And uh, when I reset my expectations, which are very reasonable Mm -hmm. at this point, and still make me feel good and gives me room to do things that I really, really want to do. And then I realized I looked at the old one and went, I cannot believe I was doing last year's schedule during a pandemic. Like I did not make any, I didn't give myself any grace. I think that that's a problem both you and I have. And, you know, people will have to let us know if they struggle with it as well. And that's giving yourself that, that grace that, you know what, sometimes it just, it's not going to happen. Right. And what does it feel like to sit with that uncertainty? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh man, I could tell you how many scientific articles I read about neurogenesis and neuroplasticity, um, as well as like immunology and what we know about COVID so far. And like in the past like four days, it's been kind of ridiculous. I'm fine with sitting with uncertainty. I, I think it makes me anxious. I'm, I'm a let's plot for every worst case scenario type person. But you're a pantser when you write, aren't you? Yes. So weird. I'm a bizarre, I'm, I'm a bizarre kid. Yeah, super, yeah. Like when you think about mental health as, as a creative and as, and this has been helpful for me as someone who's stuck in quarantine and we're all struggling with finding ways to connect. Right. Mm-hmm. And find those, those your neurons that we need so badly. In one of the books that I'm reading, they call it Reparenting by Committee. It talks about how other people's brains help reform ours and create healing. Uh, And in times of combined trauma, that back and forth resiliency of sharing the burden helps create sustainability through the trauma until healing can occur. And since we talked about imposter syndrome and the inner critic, I just wanted to share this little bit the author is Pete Walker, and he talks about how 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 those social connections are important, but that especially with people who have like relational wounds or for whom social interaction is less accessible, that books and online written interactions have been shown to create some of that same neural stimulation and, and neurogenesis. And so a lot of what we have to offer is so important right now. It's so important that we keep writing through all of this because this is what we're here for. Like this is where where people are going to find their resilience through this thing that we're all suffering through together. So what are some things that you would suggest to people that you have found work when you're struggling with good mental health as an author? I take comfort in the idea that learning in general, creates new neural pathways. And so I think I gravitate towards something that I can learn that's also going to help me connect with my characters emotionally, because if I can approach my characters emotionally, I'm really approaching myself emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I and I find a lot of really great world building, character building, and dismantling of writer's block has happened that way for me so like right now my wheel my spinning wheel which has been one of my main learning connecting like mindfulness of your body communication between hemispheres lots of really good things happen when you're spinning my wheel has been in the shop and guess what my mental health really has been struggling so i bought a new one um and i bought I, I bought a new one and it's a kind I haven't used before and it it takes completely different motor patterns. And so I find that immediately within 24 hours of trying it because I hyper focus and I do it for hours and I try to build it, I start feeling better. And then all of a sudden I had all these unblockages from book two that I'm currently taking a break from to do something fun because that's another technique. So I always start with if I'm struggling and I know I need to get back to work because that's what's going to help me feel better. How can I approach it? with compassion and how can I approach it with like acceptance for why I'm struggling with the characters. Cause if I'm struggling with the, the story, I'm struggling with myself. Okay. And that probably goes hand you? in hand with you talking about a lot of mental health in your books. Yes. Yeah, it does. And, and a lot of, um, but it's not addressed. Like that's not how it's presented in my books. It's all done through symbolism and magic. Yeah. Yeah. But 
you know what you're um, but yeah a lot of it is a lot of, a lot of it is because of the genre that I'm in because I write for it's a lot more introspective deep pulling out of but I think because of the studies that they've done on the way that reading changes your brain they found that up to 72 hours after you've read a book your brain will fire in the way that the character would be feeling that you were reading about it mirrors it yeah and so I so I theorize that even if that's not what you think you're putting into your books that if you're struggling it's because there is something in your brain that's trying to be processed that there's a blockage for that's fascinating oh it's so cool and it's supported by that quote I just shared about the relational healing being able to come from books. Like we're seeing that we artificially evolve each other through art and through literature. No one in the humanities is like super shocked. We're just all excited that the science has caught up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Fair point. Fair point. But it is. It's fascinating and it's wonderful. So my theory is that even if you don't think that's what you're doing with your work think again because if you're struggling i bet you it's something that it, it's a lot like how we interact with each other i'm not frustrated with my teenager because of my teenager i'm frustrated because they're exhibiting something that i feel uncomfortable about myself about and i don't know how to approach it hmm. and you know often that's true of my villains that's why i have villains you can fall in love with <laughs> how about you what do you do <laughs> i well, sometimes I just try and power through it, which is always a bad idea because then I'm utterly exhausted. Um, I don't always mm-hmm. take into account the the warning signs that I'm starting to burn out until like mm-hmm. it's hit pretty hard. But what I tend to do is I will go either read a book or zone out and watch a movie or television or something just so that my mind kind mm-hmm. of goes quiet like I'll force it to just go quiet or think about something else Mm -hmm. and then I find that when I come back to the work it's not as exhausting Uh, I also find a lot of comfort in hanging out with my friends and peers which is very difficult to do right now but I definitely don't have a podcast right so it's 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 more difficult now obviously but I don't have a a strategic plan but I know that if I'm writing if I try and push my way through it the writing suffers and that's just more stuff that I have to cut out later and I found as I get older as a writer that if I have to force myself to write something I shouldn't be writing it so I either take a break or I start working on something else that makes sense when you go read or watch TV or whatever to shut off your brain, what are you listening to or, or reading that does that for you? Oh, it, it depends pretty greatly. Um, I'll watch stuff that's like I have the uh, subscription to the Hallmark channel, the Hallmark movies now. So sometimes I'll just watch Hallmark movies because they make me feel better. Or I'll go in and I'll watch a you know, a TV show I love that fits my feelings. I know that if I am in a like depressive or anxious spiral, I should not be watching things that are like thrillers or high dramas because it's only going to rev my engine more. And that's like not a good idea. But if it's more of a frustration or a writer's block or work has been too stressful, I can watch those things and it'll kind of shift my mind over to a more creative mindset. And so it it varies depending on what the situation is that's set my mental health off kilter. And if I'm really upset. So what you're saying is that you're drawn to stories 
that give you an appropriate amount of dissociative experience for you to process the feelings that you're stuck in. Yes. Because it gives you those mirror neurons and lets you yeah. go through the thing, but it's not your thing, but you have so it's it lets off enough steam to change your window of tolerance. Yeah, the the one exception it's supported by the science. You just proved it, Gretchen. Gretchen is science. my case study. Well heard it. Well, the, yeah, the, I feel the like one, right now. Let's go. <laughs> the one thing that's different is that when I am like anxiously upset and I just like for whatever reason my mind won't stay on topic for anything, my go-to is to watch Boston Legal. So it's it's a running joke amongst people that have known me forever or have lived with me that if you come home and I'm sitting there watching Boston Legal and I have like cookies or a giant like Bigfoot is a local coffee chain, uh, Bigfoot Java mm-hmm. drink, and I'm just sitting there watching Boston Legal and maybe knitting. It's like it's just kind of that telltale sign that you're kind of like, okay. It like, makes that's so my... much sense, though. It makes so much sense from a polyvagal standpoint because that's the, the fight or flight activation. And if you can't experience the release for that of the, of the actual motion, because that's how you move through back into safe and social, watching someone argue a high-profile thing would give you the same mirror neurons as if you were having that argument, like, at a lesser level, based on the science. Huh. I never thought yeah, about it Yeah, like so that. cool. And then the knitting is a really good choice because it, cr- it um, encourages presence in the current moment, so it doesn't, it doesn't allow your brain to escalate so much that you have now pushed yourself into like an emotional flashback because you're still present enough to be knitting and you're using both hands. And so you're encouraging communication between your brain hemispheres and all of that facilitates new neural pathways and healing. CV's just going to science everybody's uh, coping mechanisms. This is how I validate people's experiences. Like what you're doing is a very normal and natural thing that you should honor because your brain is telling you what you need to heal. I love telling people like this thing you love, that's where your healing is. And I can cite my sources. Like, <laughs> um, So yeah, no, I love it. That was such a fun brain exercise. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> this, is, I, this is fun for me. Yeah, I think that that Uh. everybody copes with it differently, but I think the most important thing is to know that, you know, being stuck in, you know, the world you created and and that kind of thing, you're not by yourself. And I think that it's an, there's an extra layer to it if you have outside responsibilities, especially as a, like, if you have a day job of some kind, because if that is the job that pays the bills, you feel that your loyalty should be there because it's yeah. where the money comes from or your time should be spent with your family because that's what's important. And I think that that also can be detrimental is too strong of a word, but it can be a, a problem when it comes to your mental health as a writer because then when you're writing, you feel bad that you're writing or you're too exhausted to write and then, then you feel bad that you're not you know, doing this thing you said you were going to do. And I think that it's important for those of us that are you know in the middle and just trying to make money, it's important to realize that that is something we all go through that 
it can't always be and I'm, I come right back to money you can see where my brain always is yeah and I feel you as you're saying like feeling feeling that tug to what makes money we'll have to talk later about the curriculum I'm building to try and avoid my husband having to have a second job instead of writing my books later so <laughs> I feel you yeah I think that it's important to know that 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 feeling of, well, should I be doing this? Or I'm not writing as much as I could because I, I don't have the energy or I don't have the time or I feel bad not concentrating on work. I think that knowing that that is completely normal and that everyone has to deal with it is important. That's that's yeah, my soapbox. It, it is. Yeah, no, it's uh, absolutely the feeling uh, of I'm not the only one that is going through this thing. Because naturally, one of the tools that mental health issues have to keep us in that stuck place is to isolate us. And so knowing that you're not the only one is one of the like the first steps to safety, I think. So I agree. That's very important. Okay, we'll be right back to our regularly scheduled schedule next time. Uh, I don't have any book recommendations this week. I thought about it, and I just don't have any that relates to our topic at hand. But I know that Stevie does. So take it away, Stevie. It's cool, because I have two. I brought an extra. Um, Yay! <laughs> as one does. So this is great uh, for the topic of our for the topic of mental health, as well as writing realistic characters. It actually ties into world building, so it'll be a nice segue to writing emotion and mood and such. My first recommendation is the recommendation that I quoted earlier about reading being appropriate for creating neurons. And it is Complex PTSD from Surviving to Thriving by Pete Walker. And then this book just showed up this morning. I don't know if you saw my post, but I totally like sobbed into my coffee. It's so beautiful. Uh, for fighting my inner critic, I indulged in a book by a local artist that I love that's on Instagram and it's called you're strong smart and you've got this it's drawings affirmations and comfort to help with anxiety and depression and so it has letters that she just written to her younger self and then it has beautiful art of these like adorable characters and it says things like everyone grows at their own rate try to have patience with your progress and yeah, it's oh, and it's adorable animals in cute colors that they wouldn't. It's like if magic and animals had a baby. <laughs> what? Just magic oh, man. and animals. This is my teen's favorite because they like, um, you know, the naked cats, the sphinx cats. So there's a, a picture of a sphinx cat and it says, You don't need to be appealing to everyone. Oh, it's adorable. Anyway, so I, that's my other recommendation for my like feel good. Anytime I feel like I'm I'm not enough as a writer, it's sitting on my desk for me. So, Well, we are going to call it a day. Bye, guys, and happy reading. Bye. Bye.